What would you say is one of the most difficult liturgical celebrations to know how to celebrate or what it means for our lives? I'll give you my answer coming up next. Helping you grow deeper on your spiritual journey. Welcome to The Inner Life with Patrick Conley. Welcome to The Inner Life, friends. I'm Patrick Conley, your host for the Hour of Spiritual Direction Ahead. Thanks for tuning in. I can't believe how close we're getting to summer. Here in the Midwest, it's not just the warm weather, but I imagine for you as well, it's also the general craziness of things with the school and program year scrambling to get wrapped up before everyone shifts into summer mode. And speaking of wrapping up, this weekend, we celebrate the ascension of the Lord, wrapping up Jesus' time on earth with his disciples. Or did it? Our readings recently are filled with his promise to remain with us and with the command for us to remain in him. I think the ascension of Jesus fits the bill as perhaps one of the most difficult Sundays or Thursdays in the liturgical year to understand and to apply to our lives as disciples. And first up, I think it's important to recognize that the ascension, it's not an ending, but a glorious beginning. The church fathers saw this and preached it. St. Cyril of Alexandria, for example, says that Christ ascended on our account and in our name, so that as a member of our race, he might transmit to all of us the glory of being children of God. The ascension is assurance. In ascending, Jesus is assuring disciples of all times that he reigns not over an earthly kingdom, but a heavenly one. His kingship is not for one generation, but for eternity. He sits not on an earthly throne, but at the right hand of God, and he invites us to reign with him. But what does that mean for our everyday life here in this mortal temporal realm? How does the ascension affect your life of faith? That's what we're speaking about today here on The Inner Life, The Ascension of the Lord. Guiding us in our spiritual discussion today is our spiritual director, Father Matthew Witter. Father Matthew is a priest serving as pastor of St. John Newman, St. William, St. Joseph, and St. Mary in Waukesha, Wisconsin, in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. Welcome, Father. Glad to have you with us. Good to be with you too, Patrick, and all, all the listeners. Well, uh, you know, let's start off with my with my uh, little teaser here, Father. Would you agree with me? I mean, with Christmas, of course, we have the birth of Christ. We have all these celebrations that we celebrate. With Easter, equally, you know, we understand yep. it's the resurrection of Christ, and we have a lot of celebrations that we do with that. But when it comes to the Ascension, it seems to me that oftentimes this is the one that it's it's a little hard to know exactly what to do with. Would you agree with that? Yeah, that's a good insight. That's a good insight, and it's it's kind of you know squeezed just before for Pentecost as well, and so it, it yeah. does kind of you know it's, it's Jesus ascending into heaven. It's it's a a huge day within the, the church, and and yet you're right, it, it often kind of gets uh, overlooked or uh, kind of missed on the way to to Pentecost. Right. Right. Yeah, that that was kind of my my thought about it anyway, and I'm glad that we're going to be talking about it here today because I think it is very important. So. Um, Let's start with why. Why why do you think Christ had to ascend into heaven in the sight of his disciples? You know, that's a that's that's a that's a great question. You know, the disciples the disciples saw Jesus brutally beaten. Uh, you know, the, 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 only John was there in terms of the the apostles, but um, you know, he was executed on the cross 
the glory of the resurrection. You know, the, the glory of the resurrection and, and the Paschal mystery doesn't end with the, the resurrection. The, the, the Paschal mystery then kind of comes to a, an ultimate climax in Jesus being exalted to the right hand of the Father. And it's the fulfillment, like you alluded to before, of then, uh, then you know, he's seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. And then what he says, you know, I will, you know, he said that sense of sending forth the Holy Spirit. And so uh, I, sometimes in the Ascension, I like to kind of meditate on, you know, the apostles there. I, I think of, of, of our Blessed Mother Mary, like Mary being like, oh, like they're... <laughs> Like he's leaving me. Like, yeah, right. Know, she would have she would have understood better than others, but she's got to be thinking, oh boy, like don't you know, not not again, not again. No, no, she would have had more faith than than everyone. But but there's that sense that at first, at first glance, that the Lord is is has distanced himself from humanity, when in fact it's just the opposite. You yeah. know, the Lord has brought humanity into heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father, and and he's there forever to intercede for us. I think that's one of the things too that that grabs me about it. Just what you were saying there, Father, is that in some ways it could it could appear as if yeah he's he's abandoning us again. There he goes. Where's he going? And what do we do about it? Right. And I mean, there there seems to be. I mean, we're told that in in some accounts anyway that uh, yeah the disciples returned praising God, glorifying and praising God. So they had some insight, perhaps. But uh, it can look like he's he's going away, and uh, and and what do we do now, and that sort of thing. So, um, and equally, I think um, these days there's there's a connection, isn't there? I mean, because we don't see Christ in the flesh in front of us mm-hmm. uh, any further, and and sometimes we can feel a little abandoned, or you know, where is God? Especially perhaps when we're facing times of suffering. Yeah, and maybe to use a, an analogy that that might work here, that sense of you know where where is God, and uh, you know it, it, there's a sense of like okay, I know the Lord is interceding, but it feels like you know I, I might be abandoned, and you know sometimes it's within culture now, many many people even perhaps right now listening are, are working for home, from home or, or working remotely, and it's interesting in that conversation of working from home or working from remotely, sometimes people say is are you really working? <laughs> you know I can't see you, and I, you know and sometimes Good yeah point. it's true people. People aren't working, but uh, but other times, other times people say like you know working from home, you might not be able to see them in a, in an office building, uh, but then maybe if you're you know you're on Teams or on Slack, and all of a sudden there's different things being populated, kind of filling in. You can't see the person, but they're working, uh, and and so working remotely doesn't mean not working, uh, it just means you can't see them. And I think right. with with the ascension. That, that's part of the, the, the reality, that we might not be able to, to see Christ in, uh, in, his, in his human body walking uh, around, uh, but he is present to us in any, any number of ways, and he, and he is more present now um, than he would be if, if he was in a, in a human body walking on, on the earth. Yeah, isn't that amazing? I, I love to reflect on that, and maybe just go into that a little bit deeper too, Father, that he is present to us now in in more powerful and more intimate ways than he he would be if he were in this human body. What what does that mean? What do you mean by that, Father? You know, so so think about it. Maybe some of our listeners have been to a you know a baseball game or a basketball game or or a concert, let's say. And you know, in those situations, you know, you're there to see the game and, and see the players or listen to the the singer, and you might be seated, you know, or if you're at, at, you know, at something, you know, World Youth Day with Pope Francis, you might be a half mile away, and you could kind of see him, yeah, uh, right. you know, through the binoculars or something, and, uh, but, you know, in a sports, you can see that, you can see the players, but you're, you can't talk to the players, and they're not going to come up and, and talk to you, and if they do, you might get 10 seconds with them your whole life, and, you know, I think if, if the Lord in, in a human body was walking, you know, this earth, 
you know, in a human body, you could only be in one spot at a time. That's just the reality. That's the reality. And of course, there are saints that have, have bilocated, but you know, you're, you're kind of in one spot. And I think, you know, the reality is, is, you know, everyone would, would be around the Lord and, and no one would actually know the Lord. We would just, you know, see him on the news and things like that. Right. Um, but, but, but through the, through, through the Jesus ascending into heaven and interceding for us, what is, what is he, he promised? That he's going to pour out the Holy Spirit. And so through baptism, we're incorporated into the church and the Spirit of God dwells within us. And it's through that outpouring of the Holy Spirit that the ascension, you know, in the Acts of the Apostles, Jesus tells them to wait, uh, to wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it, it, it's the Holy Spirit that, that connects us uh, to the Lord. Without the Holy Spirit, without the, without the Holy Spirit, the sacraments drive up, dry up. You know, that sense of the Lord being present within the Eucharist. Without the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you know, the Eucharistic prayer, the Lord is not, is not with us. And so, like, the, the critical reality of the gift that we don't always appreciate that the Lord gives us um, through the ascension and is, is, the, is, is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that the Lord doesn't just dwell, you know, you know, a mile away and we can see him, but we, you know, we can't know him, dwells within us. And that's, right. that's the gift. Right. Father Matthew Witter is our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life, and we're talking about living out the ascension. What is the ascension? What what kind of difference does the ascension make in your life? Do you have unique reflections on the ascension? Is there a particular way that you like to celebrate this great feast of the Lord? Maybe you have questions about the ascension and what it means in your life of faith. Give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or if you prefer, send us an email, innerlife at Relevant Radio. Radio.com. Well, Father, you've mentioned a couple times now this whole this whole task of Jesus, this whole role of Jesus as an intercessor, interceding with us. Take us into that. What does that actually mean? Yeah. So we're very comfortable talking about that with when we talk about the Blessed Mother Mary or or the saints as being intercessors for us, you know, praying for us and pleading for us. We don't always think of of, of Jesus Christ as right. As that sense of intercessor, and he is the intercessor, you know, because he is our he is our priest, he is he is our mediator, and so he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Um, you know, he doesn't offer himself on the cross again, but it's the one perfect sacrifice of Christ being before the Father, and and what what Jesus is saying, you know, in a, in a simple in a simple sense is, you know, when you look upon you know you and me, uh, you know, see me, see Jesus, you know, like Jesus is 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 right there, and he's. He's pleading for us. Jesus is our, he is our high priest. He is our eternal priest. And, uh, uh, and every you know, ministerial priesthood, what do we do? We share in the eternal priesthood of, of Christ. And every priest is a, is a mediator uh, between, between humanity and, and God. And so Jesus is, that, is the priest. He is the eternal priest that has offered the perfect sacrifice uh, for each of us on the cross and presents that right at the right hand of the Father. Mm-hmm. And he's doing that, I'm sure, for not just for Catholics, not just for Christians, but for the entirety of the human race. But are there particular ways that we as Catholics, uh, how do we tap into that, Father? How do we, uh, how do we become part of or, or how do we avail ourselves of that great intercession that Christ is making to, with the Father for, on our behalf? Well, the, 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 the most perfect, complete way is, is celebrating the Mass, is celebrating the Mass. Uh, in every mass, the mass represents to us as if it would, if it happened in in this very moment, Christ's sacrifice on the cross. It doesn't. Um, it's not that Christ gets sacrificed again, but it represents Christ giving Himself up to the will of the Father, uh, being handed over and then and then and then crucified and and, and risen. 
And, and so we participate in that, that perfect sacrifice because on our own, on our own, we, we can do nothing. <laughs> like on our own, we can do nothing. Jesus is the only the way, the truth, and the life. And so, you know, especially in, in the Mass, we can participate fully in, in Christ's redemptive work. Mm-hmm. That sense of even in, in prayer and, you know, outside of the Mass in prayer, to just ponder that, that reality of Christ you know, being seated at the right hand of the Father, He is He is our advocate. He is the one who who pleads our case uh, before uh, before the Father. He is the one that that pleads our case uh, to drive away the devil. And so He is uh, He cares for us more than more than we know when we think about that that reality. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is a good time to mention too, because when I when I first became Catholic, I didn't fully understand and much less appreciate this, but that every participant in Mass, and by, by, by that I mean anybody who is present at the Mass and participating in the prayers, offering themselves uh, on mm-hmm. the altar along with the sacrifice of the Lord, that exactly. we're invited, in fact, encouraged to bring our own intentions to the Mass as well, to, to have Mass said in the intention that we carry in our minds and hearts, right? Great, great insight, because many times at, uh, you know, most Catholic parishes, you'll see in the bulletin, the Mass intentions, or sometimes parishes will announce, the priest will announce what the Mass intention is. Uh, that's, that's the Mass intention for the priest. You know, each person coming to, to Mass, uh, you know, can certainly pray for that intention. Uh, the priest must pray for that intention, but each of us can have our own personal intention. Even when we, we enter into the, the Eucharistic prayer, you know, what does the priest uh, the priest prays something like, pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours, you know, will be acceptable right. to, to God, the Almighty Father. And so, you know, the priest there is, is calling us, what is, your, what is your intention? What are you, what are you offering in this Mass? Right, right. It's a great reminder, too, that, yes, we, we, can, uh, we can and should uh, bring our own intentions to the Mass, and specifically, you know, take a moment before Mass just to, to think through, prayerfully consider what are you uh, having this Mass said for? How are you bringing your sacrifice of, of worship and praise that you are bringing uh, before the Lord? Certainly. Well, Father, um, again, all of this tying in with the Ascension, and there is such an important role of the intercession of Christ, but with the pouring out of the Holy Spirit that is uh, made possible in and through, of course, the Ascension of Christ, um, what what does that do for our lives of faith? What is incumbent upon us in responding to that Ascension and, yes, pouring out of the Holy Spirit? Yeah, and, and Jesus is going to give us that exact answer in the Gospel from Matthew that we're going to hear in, in his final words, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, you know, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But a sense of go therefore and make disciples. And so the Lord, you know, even just to back up just a moment, we, we talked a little bit about it, but just, you know, in the Acts of the Apostles, the Lord tells them you know, before they go to, to wait for the Holy Spirit. And this, this time be, between, you know, Ascension Thursday and in, in most dioceses in the United States, it will be celebrated liturgically on on, uh, on Sunday. The, the, the feast is moved, but you know, the, the Ascension being on Thursday, and that that first Thursday to Pentecost is the very first novena. There's nine days in between the Ascension and uh, Pentecost is where we get the reality of a novena. The nine days of of waiting for an, you know an outpouring of of the Holy Spirit, and then what does the Holy Spirit call us to do to uh, you know, go make disciples, go therefore and make disciples. And that looks different 
for each and every one of us, depending on our state of life, depending on our particular vocation and the particular gifts that we've been given, charisms that we've been given uh, in baptism and confirmation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So go and make disciples. So there's a, obviously a sense of mission that happens mission. there. But you did mention this novena. Uh, any insight, Father, as to, I mean, why why wasn't it just uh, Christ ascended into heaven and boom, you know, one second later, here comes the Holy Spirit? Any insight into Ooh, that? I mean, why, why is there this a, period of waiting? There's a great, that's a great point to ponder. I think, you know, waiting, waiting expands our heart to receive the, receive the gift. You know, I'd imagine that sense of waiting, you know, the disciples were, were overjoyed when the Lord, there's that sense of seeing the Lord in all of his glory, incredible. At the same time, there's that sense of, you know, perhaps pondering the Lord's words that if I do not go, I cannot send, you know, the advocate. And there's a sense of like probably a yearning that begins of, of opening their hearts. Whenever we have to, uh, to wait, our, our desire often is, uh, is expanded. I think of, uh, you know, the most obvious would probably be, you know, parents, you know, praise God that uh, this child isn't conceived one day and the very next day, you know, here the child is, you know, there's like, whoa, you know, there's, there's a time that, you know, in the perfect world, right, our, our heart expands to be able to welcome that child into the, into the open. Um, yeah. But yeah, there's an expansion of, of the heart. I love I love that idea, an expansion of the heart that occurs with waiting. And I'm just trying to place myself back in the in the lives of the original disciples as they see the Lord taken up from their sight, and as uh, you know, He's promised to send out the Holy yeah. Spirit. He did that in a number of different places, um, both in John and in Acts and and other places in Scripture. And yet, uh, I can only imagine if I were there and I was I was sitting and and waiting, I'd be like, uh, what what exactly are we waiting for here? Did it happen? I, <laughs> But then Ooh. when it does actually happen, it really happens, right, at Pentecost. Yeah, yeah there, there, was, there, was, there was no doubt. And, yeah, the Lord expanding. You can think of it even like a vacation, you know, with summer coming up and, uh, you know, someone going on a vacation. And many times there's probably people waiting right now, I can't wait to go visit so-and-so or go there. And, and that, that, you know, there's just this, this yearning. But, you know, especially for the, the things of the Lord, to, to yearn for the, the things of the Lord. And when they, when they saw him, you know, exactly extend, wow, like if this is what the ascension looked like, what is this this outpouring of the Holy Spirit going to look like? Right, right. Fantastic analogies coming to us from our spiritual director today, Father Matthew Witter from the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. We are talking today about living out the ascension. What does the ascension of the Lord mean in your life of faith? Has there been a time when this great feast has really grabbed you in some new and special way? Have you gained insight into the Lord and his role in your life? Uh, do you have questions about this feast and how to live it out well? Give us a call. Ask your questions. Give us your testimony. Join the conversation. 888-914-9149. Again, 888-914-9149. Or send us an email, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Lots more to come here on The Inner Life, but we're going to take a short break. We'll be back right after this. When I die in the name of the rest, gonna go to the place that's the Welcome back to The Inner Life here on Relevant Radio on RelevantRadio.com and the Relevant Radio app. You know, I wouldn't necessarily take all of your theology from Norman Greenbaum, but uh, Spirit in the Sky reminds me, Father, that uh, as we're speaking with our spiritual director, Father Matthew Witter from the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, Father Matthew, it it, uh, reminds me, though, that one of the great things that the Ascension does show us is um, Jesus didn't just go up to heaven, wasn't ascended only in spirit, but in body as well. What does that mean, and what does it mean for us? 
Yeah, that, that's a great, great insight. You know, we think of, you know, Jesus's physical body that, 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 you know, he walked this earth with, of course, at the resurrection, uh, you know, his, his, his body, that his earthly body that he had here on earth uh, was risen, was rose, and, and he ascended body and soul into heaven. And, and we were going to pray in the, in the Eucharistic prayer, you know, the Eucharistic prayer on, on the ascension says, you know, where the, where the head has gone, so also the the body might follow, meaning, you know, the, the body of Christ. But that sense of one day, and this is something we don't always ponder uh, or talk a lot about within our faith, but you know, at the end of the creed, we say, we profess that we believe in the resurrection of the body. And so right. that's that reality. As Christ rose body and soul, as he ascended body and soul, we think of the assumption of Mary, body and soul. Uh, in the Old Testament, there's Elijah and Enoch as well that would, would be bodily. But there's that, that sense of... Uh, um, Remember, we're part of Christ's body. We share in Christ's love. We share in his suffering. We share in his resurrection. And, and one day, our earthly body that we have right now, um, that for those who have died is, is buried, uh, one day that body will be reunited with our soul. Uh, and that's, uh, we don't always kind of completely ponder that, that our body and our loved ones who have gone before us, that body uh, will, be, will be raised. Mm-hmm. It's a great point, and it's uh, definitely worthy of, of uh, remembering and of reminding ourselves of as we're seeking to live this life of faith and cultivate the inner life that we are body and soul, and that body and soul will indeed reign with Christ someday um, in, in a resurrected state, right? And uh, mm-hmm. I, I like what you were saying there, too, about uh, the, the whole Christ, as St. Augustine likes to put it, you know, the head and together with its members, with its body, and uh, and I think he did some preaching on the Ascension as well that talked exactly about that, that when Christ, it's not just Christ the head who ascends, but it's Christ, the whole Christ, it's head and body that he invites us into that. And as you said, Father, it's the Assumption is a great example of that. It's kind of a, a, a look um, into what is to come because of what happened to our Blessed Virgin Mother, right? Exactly. And our dear, our dear Blessed Mother Mary, you know, she is the, she represents the church. You know, she is a, an image of the, the church in its, its most perfect form under the head Christ. And as she was taken up and, you know, Christ ascends, he ascends as, as that sense of, of being God. He ascends as, as God. Mary is assumed. So, you know, even the word assumption, you know, is different than ascension. Ascension, you, you kind of, you kind of, it can ascend on your own. Assumption means you're kind of almost kind of pulled into heaven. And so you can kind of meditate on, on, you know, our Lord taking uh, our lady into heaven. There's a beautiful, you know, even an icon of the assumption of Mary and the, the church of the Dormition in, in the Holy Land. And it's, it's really interesting because you, we often are used to seeing, you know, pictures of everywhere icons of Mary holding Jesus. But there, there's actually a, a mosaic of, of, of Mary, like Jesus holding Mary and kind of taking her into, into heaven. But that sense of Mary, you know, not being God is, is assumed. She's, she's taken up by, by the Lord where Jesus, his ascension is, is uh, through his authority as, as God. But there is that, that sense of, of, you know, Mary being that, that perfect image of the church, as, as she was assumed body and soul, so also that's that's our that's our reality to be be taken up body, not just our soul, because we can easily think of our, you know, the body is something bad, and we're gonna, you know, it's gonna be like uh, I heard it put once. It's like an, and we can think of it sometimes as an envelope of a letter. You know, you think you get an envelope, you take the letter out. The letter is what's important. The envelope, you just discard it right away. We can think of the body in that sense often, sometimes, and that's in terms of a Christian Catholic outlook. That would be wrong. Right, right. 
Yep, body and soul we are, and created in the image and likeness of God. We're great, grateful that, of course, our, our loving Lord has seen to that and seen that we will one day spend all eternity, please God, with him, body and soul as well. And all of this, Father, all of this talk just seems to lead me to the to the theological virtue of hope, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. There must be a lot of hope tied in with the ascension. Exactly. Uh, even within the, the mysteries of the rosary, when we pray the rosary, when it comes to the ascension, the, the fruit of the mystery is is hope. Is, is hope, And, and that sense of, of hope and, and what the ascension really calls us to do in our own way is to focus our gaze on heaven, to focus our gaze on heaven, to seek, uh, St. Paul writes about, seek, seek the things that are above not the things that are on earth. Or Jesus talks about you know, where your, your treasure is, there also will your heart be. And so we see this reality of, of humanity seated at the right hand of the Father. And that's, that should be our, our focus of, of where, where the hope draws it, is that Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, uh, the hu- human body, that represents us. You know, we, we are the body. We're, 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 he's our head and we're the body. And so it it, it calls us to think not not just to get this stuck in in the things of the earth, but to to set our sights on heaven. Mm. Again, our spiritual director, Father Matthew Witter, pastor of St. John Newman, St. William, St. Joseph, and St. Mary in Waukesha, Wisconsin, as we're talking about living out the ascension today on the inner life and what it means for our life of faith. When and how have you incorporated celebration of the ascension into your, or recognition of all that the ascension means into your life of faith? What difference does it make in your practice of the faith that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father that we proclaim in the, in the Mass every time we say the Creed? Uh, maybe you have questions, too, about how to live out the Ascension. Give us a call. Join the conversation, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. So, uh, Father, as we're con- contemplating the Ascension and really thinking about what it means in our life of faith and living out this hope, I mean, this gives us something to um, to fall back on, I suppose, or actually, I don't like the way I just put that. It's it's a, something that actually motivates us to engage in the hardships, especially of this life, right? Exactly. Yeah, that that's a great. Yeah, motivates us to deal with the the hardships, and sometimes hope can be can be pictured as a, is often depicted with an with an anchor. And uh, I was like thinking of you know the ascension and meditating on hope of that sense of you know we have an anchor in heaven you know we have an anchor that's that's firmly uh, attached in heaven and sometimes that that kind of rope that then comes down to us it can be swayed and uh, pulled around in any type of different directions but it is it's firmly established we've got a, a firm grasp in 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 heaven uh, even as we're you know shifted around in any different types of situations, but it's, it's that, that encouragement of, of Christ, even though he seems like he's, he's far away, he's, he's closer to that, closer to us than ever. And so it's to set our eyes on not the things of this earth, but within the things of this earth to recognize the things of heaven. Hmm. Yeah. And okay. So tying together some of the things that we've talked about now about the Ascension really providing us with this sense of hope, this, that, that, uh, there is always something better in store, that there's always something that we can hold on to, uh, this anchor, like you said, that, that will anchor us and root us even in the hardest of storms of life. Right. And then also this sense of mission of going and making disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them, to obey everything that the Lord has commanded us. 
How, Father, do we pass on this hope to others who are maybe, at least for the present, without Christ in this world? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the mission. And each of us, in our own vocation, in our own kind of rhythm of life, whether it's a job, whether uh, whatever it might be, we all have a kind of a mission field. And the, the first mission field begins with, begins with family, begins with those who are closest to you, especially you've been called into the, the sacrament of marriage. You know, the number one mission field is your, your, your domestic church, is, is, is your family. And then, you know, from there, our, our calling is meant to, to kind of bubble over. And different people, you know, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is the, the Holy Spirit gives different what uh, St. Paul talks about, the catechism, as, uh, as, as charisms. And a, and a charism is a, is a gift of the, the Holy Spirit that we receive that is, is often particular to us, that it's a, uh, each person receives a, a number of charisms, and they're kind of unique ways that, that we can use, that, that the Lord uses us to, to, to be missionary disciples and bring people to Him. So some people, for example, you know, different charisms that we don't always think about are like administration and, and service are, are charisms, and craftsmanship is, is a charism. And so we think of you know, um, intercessory prayer and, and, and praying for healing and uh, prophecy and encouragement. There's any number of different charisms where when we show up, you know, the Lord is able to use us when, we're, when we're, we allow those, those gifts to, to flow from us. And uh, the trap can be is, you know, you know the different charism is, is music, for example. You know, sometimes it can happen where there's people that don't have the charism of music that are, that are singing. That would be a bad use of No, of Father, that could you know. never happen. <laughs> yeah, that could never happen. You know, so, you know, so sometimes that could happen. You know, um, obviously, at Mass, we need everyone singing good or bad. But, um, but when someone has that gift, it just, you, you know, it just goes right to the heart. And, uh, yeah. Okay, well, so so let's take let's let's delve into that a little bit further too. I mean, in a sense, when we see these charisms, these spiritual gifts that are given to us at work, then really, would you say that what they're doing is they're in a sense uh, maybe pulling aside the veil a little bit and and recognizing that Jesus is indeed present among us and that He is reigning over all. He's interceding for us. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. It's kind of a vision into all this stuff, isn't it? It's, it's a vision into all. That's a great way of putting it. And, and, and Christ as, as, you know, the head, he, you know, we are His body, we are His members, and He, you know, the quotes often, it's often said, you know, Jesus has no hands and feet but ours, and, and charisms are kind of that way of, of activating the, the hands and, and feet of our Lord, where it, you know, when, when someone is functioning within you know, within a charism, it's like the, the presence of God is, is, is ministering right through that, that particular person. And sometimes it, the charisms happen in, in different ways. And, and one of the, the, the things to be very apparent in our own life is, you know, what are the particular charisms that I have? You know, sometimes, you know, a good way of, of thinking of like, okay, do I have a charism is pay attention to different parts of your life where someone says, boy, like, how did you know that I needed to hear that? Um, or, boy, you made that look really easy. Uh, and, uh, uh, boy, you know, you know you're, you're singing. Boy, that just makes me feel like it's angels in heaven. You know, when, when people kind of say things like, boy, how did you know I needed to hear that? Or, or boy, you made that look, you know, really easy. Uh, or, you know, maybe you're praying for someone and, and boy, your prayers worked. I, you know, so-and-so got this news. Whenever you hear, like, you know, kind of an affirmation like that, we might just think, oh, yeah, that's just what I do. Like, yeah, I, that's no big deal. I'm doing nothing special. But when, when, 
when we do something that seems maybe relatively somewhat simple for ourselves, that for others, it's like, whoa, that, that, like, how did you do that? That's usually a sign that there's a charism at work there, that, that the Holy Spirit is, is very much working within those, those situations. Right, right. And uh, it, it's, it's something that, I mean, I don't want to overstep my bounds here because there is a difference not just in degree but also in kind between the ordained ministry and mm-hmm. the, the uh, priesthood of the, of the faithful, right? But at the same yep. time, there is something there that um, as we watch you, Father, or some other priest, yep. um, you know, confecting the Holy Eucharist, yep. right, it may seem rel- relatively uh, just if we watch it looking in from the outside that, uh, that, you know, it may seem kind of mundane, but there is, we know that that indeed is perhaps the most holy moment that we're going to encounter here on the face of the planet. And, uh, in somewhat similarity, it seems too, that we have to recognize that even something mundane that we might be doing might just be that same Holy spirit working in and through us that we could never accomplish on our own. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's a good comparison too with, the priest celebrating the mass, you know, priest celebrating a mass. That that's not an example like you alluded to. It's not a, it's not a charism. What that is, that's that's the office of priesthood. That if a priest right. is, is rightfully ordained, you know, the, the priest, you know, however, you know, if the priest celebrates that mass with the, the proper intention and using the the words of the church, that is, you know, that's the office of the church. Uh, the spirit using the the office of the institutional reality of the church in a powerful way. The charisms are kind of more, many times, uh, you know, that kind of, uh, really that sense of being out in the world, in your workplace, in your home, in the community, that's that, uh, that kind of, that, that, that artillery in the best sense of the word that the Lord gives us to, to, to go and make disciples. Yeah, yeah, very good. Well, uh, this is all really, really good stuff. We're speaking today specifically about living out the Ascension and all the things that the Ascension means for us as followers of Jesus and how especially, particularly, we've been talking about how it uh, preceded the pouring out of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, of course. Let's go now to the phones. Alan is calling in from Orlando, Florida. Alan, thanks for calling into The Inner Life. Yes, thank you for for, uh, receiving my call. Thank you for the subject. And... uh, I just wanted to say that hearing all you, you explain it very well, um, and saying the rosary, you know, it's, it's the involved. Uh, it was one of the mysteries, but it's always struck me. I guess uh, a few years ago, I had a special uh, experience with the Holy Spirit, and but I, I think that with the Ascension, I'm fascinated that the disciples were scared. They were in their room, locked. Um, that's the vision I have anyway. And then Jesus said. Uh, because when he left, they were really, they were really still, I think, still afraid of a lot of different things. They might have the same uh, fate as Jesus at that point. They they didn't want that, so he just said, "You go back to Jerusalem, and uh, you'll be sent the power from on high to be my witnesses." Mm-hmm. And um, that's just so linked to Pentecost. And to me, Pentecost really no, nothing really happened until Pentecost till the Holy Spirit came and those men were changed and Peter mm-hmm. spoke, you know, without power and 3000 were added, you know, and I just thought mm-hmm. to, to me, and I don't mean to take away from the other celebrations, rightfully so Christmas is celebrated like they are, but it seems like with Pentecost, we don't really put into Pentecost what the other two, they should be more equal. It seems to be, I, I'm very much a, 
I have a big devotion to the Blessed Holy Trinity, and um, I just see each one, each person of that same nature. And I, I see the Ascension is just so tied to Pentecost and what yeah. happened, and the Church was created. Yeah. You know? Alan, you, you mentioned you had, a, if I heard that right, a powerful encounter with the Holy Spirit. What what was that like? Yes, I, I thought... 15 years or so ago, I was going to, I thought I was, tra- I travel a lot in my work. And one Thursday night, I went to a church in Vero Beach, Florida. And um, I don't know, I've heard certain people speak of a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I don't, yep. here again, I don't want to take away from confirmation, but I really believe I received a greater measure of the Holy Spirit that night. I really do. And people prayed over me. And I've had this relationship with the Holy Spirit that I, uh, before something was missing. And after that night, it got added, you know, and I don't, like I say, I don't, I feel kind of funny. Sometimes when I see confirmations uh, with young people and not that they have to be emotional because the Holy Spirit can come without emotion. But I just think sometimes confirmation has not got the element of Pentecost in it that it should have. I don't know if that makes sense or I don't don't mean to deride it in any way. How did, how did your life change after that, that encounter with, with the Holy Spirit and, and being baptized in the Holy Spirit? Well, Scripture really came alive. I wanted to, yeah. I read the Gospels through, and I would only read certain parts of the Gospel, but I read it on my own, not just in the daily readings, but I read each of the four Gospels through. And that just, it just gave me a greater insight to who Jesus was, what He meant, what He did. And also his relationship with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. They all have a relationship with each other, you know. And I just saw that so much clearer after that. Yeah, the, the Holy Spirit and that sense of even with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Even John the Baptist says, you know, the, the one who come will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And so, you know, the, the experience of a baptism of the Holy Spirit doesn't take away from baptism and confirmation. It, 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 it adds to it. It, it. it even fans into flame the, the gifts that we received within those sacraments. And that's, it's a powerful, real reality. Hmm. I think that's right, a, that was, a, it was, it was, go ahead. That's no, go, go, no, please go ahead, Alan. No, I, did, I was just saying, you know, it just has always struck me since that time has grown as, as my life goes on. And I'm, I'm not saying everything has been perfect. I have ups and downs, yep. but if I do, if I have a bad day, it's just like I, I'm, I'm led back and I'd like to think the spirit draws me back to, who Amen. Jesus was, who he did, and who the Father, he created us. Amen. And it just is like it's been created in us at that point. You know, not that you can't lose it, because I think you can still walk away. But I think you know he's there with you. If you'll just, you just, just have to entrust yourself every day to him. Amen. And, and then he will act in your life. I love it. I love the thought, and I love the call, Alan. Thank you so much for joining us on The Inner Life and sharing about that particular testimony of what's going on with the Holy Spirit in your life. I mean, and that's part of what we experience with the ascension of Jesus, right? That's one of the things that is is a fruit of his ascension, is the pouring out of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, too. We need to uh, take another break, but we've got more uh, talking about the Ascension and all of the fruit that it bears in our own lives with our spiritual director, Father Matthew Witter from the Archdiocese of Milwaukee. If you have some way in which the Ascension has made a profound difference in your own life of faith, give us a call, 888-914-9149. We'll be back with more right after this. 
Welcome back to The Inner Life. My name is Patrick Conley. My thanks to Nick Sentovich, our producer, Sarah Tafoya, taking your phone calls, and our spiritual director, Father Matthew Witter, pastor at St. John Newman, St. William, St. Joseph, and St. Mary in Waukesha, Wisconsin. We're talking today about living out the ascension. What what has difference has the ascension made in your own life? And, uh, Father, this is something, this is an insight that uh, was given to us by Pope Francis, and it, it strikes me, too. He says that the ascension of Jesus actually uh, happened on the Mount of Olives, close to the place where Jesus had withdrawn to pray before the Passion in order to remain in deep union with the Father. Um, once again, we see that prayer gives us the grace, Pope Francis says, to be faithful to God's plan. And I I just love the thought and the idea that, um, you know, there he was, the night that he was betrayed, right, pouring out his soul and his, his sweating drops of blood, you know, in, in this kind of agony before the agony, right? Um, and yet, at the same time, it's very near there that he also ascends into heaven to get, be seated at the right hand of the Father. Seems like that's not coincidence. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a very, very unique kind of that sense of even on the Mount of Olives, you know, Jesus is in, in Gethsemane, and in the Passion, and Gethsemane means uh, you know, olive press, that sense of, you know, olives being kind of pressed and uh, to make olive oil and that they're kind of, they're crushed. And, you know, on, on, you know, on the Mount of Olives in the Garden of Gethsemane, the Lord is, is you know, is crushed under the weight uh, of our sin. And then we have the, the fulfillment, you know, Jesus who is, who is humiliated and humbled in his humanity in, in the Passion, then is, is raised, uh, is ascended, ascends gloriously. And it's, you know, another interesting thing with the Mount of Olives, and once again, this isn't something that's uh, in the scripture, but it's one of these kind of points to ponder is, is that uh, we know that Bethany is right by the Mount of Olives, and I think even Luke kind of mentions Bethany, and which is connected to the Mount of Olives. But what's interesting yeah. to ponder about that is, remember many times Jesus would have gone to Bethany uh, to visit uh, his dear best friends, uh, Martha, Mary, and, and Lazarus. And so it's, it's, it's interesting to ponder, too, before the ascension, did Jesus go, you know, maybe for one last encounter at, you know, at the home of, of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, that kind of the gift of, of friendship before, you know, before going at uh, the ascension. Yeah, yeah, that's good. I like it. <laughs> that's a good thing to contemplate. Yeah, see, we're already moving deeper into the ascension here and all that it means for us. If you have a way that the ascension has been particularly powerful in your own life of faith, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you, 888-914-9149. Well, Father, um, I guess one of the things that that really does kind of um, solidify uh, the, the ascension for me is the whole thought of Jesus reigning at God's right hand, and that there is, as I you know, read from St. Cyril of Alexandria, and uh, I know other church fathers have talked about this too, is that we are invited to reign with him. Any ideas about what does that mean even in the here and now? How do we reign with Jesus? I think the first, the first element of that is a sense of confidence, a sense of confidence that, that Jesus, we are his beloved children, and he has given us that sense of authority with, with the Holy Spirit. He has given us uh, an authority to act and speak within his name. And so I think that sense of reigning with Christ means, you know, as through our baptism, we are members we are members of his body, and and you know, just like a 
a father watching over his children, you know, you seek to protect them. And the Lord is, he is, you know, he wishes for us to inherit his kingdom. And that's the the, the gift of, of Jesus being at the right hand of the Father, that, you know, we are meant to inherit his kingdom and through through him take our place in heaven. Even in the, the Gospel of John, one of the very, very common passage for funerals, and it was actually part of the Sunday Gospel just a couple of weeks ago, is, you know, Jesus said, you know, I, you know, do not let your hearts be troubled. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to prepare, I'm going to prepare a place for you, so that where I am, you also might be. That sense of I'm going to prepare a place for you, so that where I am, you also might be. And so there's there's this confidence that you know, the Lord has has gone before us to to prepare a place for us, and that we you know we one day will see Him face to face in heaven. And what a promise that is! Yeah, indeed, um, it's a it's a wonderful promise indeed. Well, I, I I guess as I'm thinking about the ascension and as rightfully drawn out by the two of us as well as um, um, our caller Alan, um, that there is just this kind of a natural flow into Pentecost, and uh, I think our our next caller may indeed have um, have something to say about that. Let's go now to Barb, who's calling in from Los Angeles. Barb, welcome to the Inner Life. Thanks for calling in. To say that, you know, I feel the ascension to me is really a sense of empowerment that Jesus went to the Father, but that means that we here are supposed to really be living the mission of the Church. And for me, that has really been empowering to live the social mission of the Church. I think, you know, the words of Laudato Si that Pope Francis offered us about caring for the climate, caring for the most vulnerable in our midst, and how we should look at the ascension is that we can't really just go to Mass and sit in the pew and come back next Sunday, that we're called to live that mission yep. every day of our lives. Yeah, that, that sense of being empowered by the, the, the Holy Spirit. Was there a moment in your life where that really kind of, kind of clicked in for you, where that became, you, you recognized the Lord just really putting that uh, on your heart in a, in a, in a bigger way? Yeah, I think I think where I, where I really reflect upon that, uh, that it was that you really can't just sit and be sort of a bystander and observe faith, but you have to really live faith. Yes, and that's 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 so well put. The Lord has given us gifts. The Lord has given us the Holy Spirit. Exactly, not to just uh, uh, there is a sense of waiting for the Holy Spirit, but then it's go, you know, go make disciples. The Lord, each of us has given us a mission field and and. You know, it's inspirational, that sense of service to the uh, mission to the most vulnerable. That's uh, the most important mission we have. Absolutely. And, uh, Barb, thank you for the call. I, I like it, and I think you make an excellent point that, yes, we are not just to be pew sitters in Mass, although, of course, that's the foundation, right? Source and summit, as we talked about yesterday here on the show, the Most Holy Eucharist. But but there's also this necessity to get out there and live, live the faith uh, each moment of each day. And Father, maybe just as a, a closing reflection here, uh, as we're getting near the end of our time, but Alan's call and Barb's call both kind of have resonated with me in terms of disposition when it comes to sacramental receiving, sacramental grace, talking about baptism and confirmation, you know, great sacraments of the Holy Spirit in our lives. How does our disposition um, to receive those sacraments and then to live them out, how does that play out, or what difference does that make in our living out of an ascended life? 
Yeah, there has to be an, an openness. There has to be an openness of heart and mind to encounter the Lord. You know, when we encounter the Lord, you know, the walls that we have a path to go down, that sense of an openness. And, and many times what can be linked in that, that sense of preparing ourselves to receive the Holy Spirit is, is a spirit of repentance, a spirit of repentance of looking at our life. And we talked about the ascension being a sense of hope and where your treasure is there also where your heart be and seek the things above, not of, of earth. And many times, you know, linking to the, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is, is a profound sense of, of repentance of, of these are areas of my life. And the Holy Spirit does not come to condemn us, but comes to convict us, you know, to convict us. And so that sense of, of repentance, of, of contrition, of, um, you know, the sacrament of reconciliation often is a, is a game changer. Uh, but that sense of, of, of openness to the Lord and, and openness that on my own, I cannot do this. Like, I need you, Lord. And, and many times that provides a, a fertile ground for that, an outpouring of, of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, always, always we're in a position of being able to grow in those, in those gifts that he has given us and that he continues to pour out and shed upon us um, and that are just, yeah, just such a promise of that. Well, Father, I mean, I think we've, we've actually covered quite a bit here in our discussion about how to live out the ascension. We talked about Christ interceding at God's right hand for us and recognizing again that he is the intercessor on our behalf as he's body and soul at the right hand of the Father. We talked about mission going forth and uh, spreading the gospel, but living that out with the help of these charisms that the Holy Spirit has given us. We've talked about hope and maintaining hope in our lives, especially amongst the times of, of suffering or difficulty and sharing that hope with others who are facing those types of, of things. And then again, as we were just talking about, as Barb reminded us of, to live out the faith, always open to the graces that have been given us in baptism and confirmation. Any one final thing, Father, that you'd like to add just as a practical next step in terms of living out the ascension? Yeah, just to, to, that sense, too, of, of Christ, just going back to where we started, the Lord, you know, he ascends into heaven not to, to distance himself from us, but to come closer. And the ascension also, we, we can sometimes think about uh, the ascension as Jesus escaping from earth. Not true. <laughs> Jesus is not right. escaping from earth. In fact, what he's doing is he's tying heaven and earth together. He's tying them more together than, than ever before. And so we can sometimes think, oh, Jesus is escaping, he's getting away. Uh, no, actually, he's, he's he, the ascension. He is, he is a tying heaven and earth together in a more profound, deeper way even than before. And, and, and he sends us out as his body to, to, on mission. Go, go, therefore, and make disciples. Yeah, very good. Well, if we're going to do that, we're going to need a lot of blessings, Father. So if you wouldn't mind closing us with your blessing, please. So, Father, we ask that you would look upon the face of your Son seated at your right hand, and that you would pour out the fullness of your blessing upon us, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Father Matthew Witter has been our spiritual director today. If you missed any part of the program and living out the ascension, go back to the show page on RelevantRadio.com and have a listen to any parts that you missed. Thank you for your generous gifts during our spring pledge drive. If you'd like to make a gift yet, you can still get one in just under the wire. Go to RelevantRadio.com. Coming up next, the Holy Sacrifice in the Mass. And tomorrow on the show, we're going to be talking about the art of leisure. I hope you can join us for that. Until then, grace and peace.